In this latest edition of the TWBC podcast, uh, we're going to do a rather unique podcast. We've got two, two luminaries in the sport of tournament water skiing. We've got Matt Reaney and Whitney McClintock Reaney, and they are both on this next edition of the TWBC podcast. Next. The expressed views of the guests on this podcast are theirs alone and not necessarily endorsed by the host, TWBC, or any associated sponsor. Conversations that are robust yet balanced, on point and to the point. You're listening to The Talk of Tournament Water Skiing. This is the TWBC Podcast. And now, here's your host, Tony Lightfoot. Well, greetings one and all. Uh, here from uh, from Lago Los Morros in uh, Santiago de Chile uh, as part of the 2022 Pan American Water Ski Championships. This is the latest edition of the TWBC Podcast, and uh, thank you for your continued support. Well, when it came to uh, thinking up of some uh, new episodes uh, for the TWBC podcast, uh, some I wanted to try and uh, experiment with a slightly newer dynamic. Instead of interviewing just one person, how about interviewing two people? And I wanted to try and uh, ratchet down a little bit more on that. And how about these two people being related, related somewhat to each other? Even better still. So uh, with that in mind, uh, on this episode, we've got uh, uh, Matt Reaney. How are you doing, sir? I'm good, Tony. How are you today? Okay, let's try that again. How are you doing today? I'm good, Tony. How are you? Okay, fantastic. And what about you, Whitney? I'm doing awesome. Thanks for having us. Excellent stuff, excellent stuff. So, uh, the uh, Pan American Water Ski Championships, uh, you're, you're the coach uh, for the Open team, aren't you, uh, Matt? Yeah, we're, you know, there's three coaches now who are taking over for Busher. Um, we have a manager, and then there's Cole, who's primarily responsible for the juniors, and Drew and I, Drew Ross and I, who are, um, Drew helped a lot with the juniors. Obviously, Charlie's on his team. And then, yeah, I'm here. And, you know, my primary responsibility is the U21 and the elite team. And, of course, you'll be skiing in the open competition, Whitney. Are you just slaloming or will you be uh, uh, tricking or jumping as well? Now, this is going to be my first Pan Ams only slaloming. And my days are quite open. <laughs> it feels really weird to only be skiing twice while I'm here. Okay. My last two sets of the season. Last two sets of the season, yeah. no doubt. And obviously, you're uh, you're taking care of Zane as well, who's uh, over behind me trying to catch a few Zs in the in the bright sunshine here. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you mentioned uh, Steve Bush. Uh, this is this is going to be as a first Pan American Championships not being present here and not being a part of the coaching setup. Must feel pretty weird, huh? Very weird. And, uh, you know, all the little things that Busher has done over the years <laughs> that gives us an advantage and makes us feel, you know, so welcome as soon as we get to a new country. I've, I've made a list and I've been sending him the list of lessons I've already learned <laughs> since I've been here. So um, no, it, it's the first time without him. And it, it is weird. Um, and, you know, we, we will figure it out. We will know? figure it out. But one thing that Busher always did was a room list and uh, have water as soon as we got here. And yesterday I didn't have water till noon because I didn't know how to get any. And Matt comes downstairs this morning. He goes, I don't know where anybody's rooms are. We need to make a room list. Yeah, because I had so, to, you know, it's like herding cats. I had to wake everybody up this morning who was on the long flight the day before. So uh, so no one's picked up the phone and called Bush oh, and, no, Bush we, and said, hell. No, no we no. say, Busher, we miss you. We love you. Wish no, you were here. We, no. I talked to him. All day, every day, pretty much still. He's st he still very much does help behind the scenes with team selection, organizing rooms. Organize. It's just the brunt of the responsibility now with, you know, the high-performance 
program in Canada is on myself and Kyle Hunter, who's the, you know, team manager on site here. And he's with, you know, he's at, he's, a, he's, um, he's with Waterski Wakeboard Canada. So he's an employee of Waterski Wakeboard Canada. Okie dokie. All right then. So let's try and go back years and years, all the way back to the first time that you guys actually actually met. I mean, you're a coach. I mean, you're you're an you're an aspiring young junior skier. Uh, kind of des- kind of describe what that that moment when you when you first clapped eyes on the on the potential that uh, that Whitney uh, had as as a as a junior skier go, uh, growing uh, growing up in the sport. Well, I mean, obviously, I've been lifelong friends with Jeff, Judy, Joel. You know. Being Canadian, being from Ontario, I went to the McClintock Ski School when I was very young. Um, so I, I've been close with the family for a long, long time. And obviously, um, you know, I started coaching Whitney when she was young. And, you know, like Jason, her brother, and the, with the last name McClintock, they were hungry, learned very quickly like crazy and unbelievably competitive. So, um, you know, that, that came with the, with the McClintock lineage. They all seem to have that in their DNA. <laughs> and how about you, Whitney? What, uh, how, how much do you remember about that first instance whenever, uh, whenever, whenever you came to, uh, to what Matt Reaney's in, in coaching environment, uh, in, in I, that realm? I was really excited to ski with Matt because, um, people around me were starting to ski with Matt more and more and, um, they were starting to beat me a little bit and I wasn't impressed with that. <laughs> Um, so I was super excited with the opportunity. My dad also, uh, took kind of was in control of my skiing when I was really young. So he didn't send me off. Um, but Jason came back from Matt's ski school when he was like 12, I think with a whole bunch of flips that summer. Um, so it was that winter that, um, we started to do some flips and we did a flip camp at Matt's place. So we, that was where, um, we all, we started skiing with Matt. All excellent stuff. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so moving forward, I mean, uh, what, what, what were some of, uh, I mean, redirecting to you, uh, Whitney? I mean, I mean, what were some of those little nuggets of, of coaching advice that you took on right from the start that have, that have kind of been consistent all the way through to, to present day? I think a, a huge part of Matt's coaching is... Um, the mindset going into tournaments, he prepares us really, really well for competition. And that has been super important to Team Canada and for my career. Um, we don't we don't overtrain. We know how to peak and taper because that's something that we learned through being part of Team Canada and skiing with Matt. And um, he just prepares us mentally. He's, he knows what to say to us to get us in the right frame of mind. And um, he knows how to deal with stress day of competition too so just all of that has just kept me kind of level-headed all the way through I mean I had moments of freak out for sure but he's able to keep me pretty calm um, all the time so that has been the most significant thing I think for for me in choosing him all these years Indeed, indeed. Has there, has there, has there been any instance uh, in re- in recent times, or, re- or even way back when, where there was like one of those uh, freak out moments that you kind of had to jump in and uh, and head off at the pass a little bit, Matt? I mean, there's not a skier on the planet that doesn't have you know the Earth is falling syndrome going on, where something you know the wheels are falling off the cart. And Whitney's definitely no uh, you know exception to that. Um, so I mean. You know, there there's instances, you know, I think the, the, the biggest instance was at the 2009 Worlds. I mean, not very many people know this, but Whitney had a neck injury about seven days before um, where she literally could not 
ski, like could not ski. So I actually took her to a separate lake where there was um, where there was not a slalom course. We had a, a ski nautique, and it was her and I there and Jeff, her dad. And I made her free ski. I just had her free ski for the week before the Worlds that she won. She did not turn a buoy until official familiarization. I had her go down the line. I had her practicing at 39. And it was just removing her from the stress of everybody else training and everybody else going out and skiing, taking her away from that and just like reprogramming her brain that she was still capable of winning. And um, not very many people know that story, but it's uh, the first in, in seven days before the Worlds in 2009, the only buoy she turned was in official familiarization before, you know, before the prelims. And then taking the results into account, that is that story is all the more remarkable. Uh, your take on that one, Whitney, and me, because, yeah. because I mean, when someone comes up to you and says, you know what, what you what you've been doing out the course needs needs a little tweaking. Mm-hmm. We're going to forget about the buoys and we're going to go free skiing. What, I mean, what, what went through your mind at that point when you heard that? No, I mean, there was no way for me to... The, the intensity of slalom was too much for my neck to handle at the time. And I think the stress probably of it being in Canada. And I had a really great opportunity in 2007 at the Worlds, too, where I was, like, on top of my game. Um, and I wrecked my ankle in practice a couple days before the tournament. So um, it just felt like the world was falling. This is never going to happen for me. I was crying. I remember I was crying and, and uh, we had massage therapist. Britta Llewellyn was standing there. My mom, they were all just trying to like, you can still do this. And Matt's like, no, 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 no. Okay. Let's, let's separate um, you from all of this. And let's, he had brainwashed me basically the whole season anyway into believing that this was my time, this is my world, I am prepared, I am the best. Like, there was no doubt in my mind going into it that I could win it, but when that all happened, it did definitely take us a step back. And I trusted his process. I had been free skiing quite a bit that summer because I had been dealing with chronic neck issues all summer. Um, so just trusting his plan and, and him also um, just getting me um in the moment and focused and literally when I watched the videos from the worlds in 2009 I'm like it was creepy like I'd hear the scores right before I step off the dock in tricks and I I look over at him and I smile that I had to basically trick a pb to win but I was like I just had the mental strength to to get there and that was probably my voice that you heard in those world championships yeah. way back in 2009 and obviously that uh, that was a major major boost for the sport in uh, in in canada in canada you winning uh, not only the overall but the tricks and and the slalom you know i mean I mean, you probably remember more more of more of that as well, Matt. But I mean, I, I, ju- I just have this recollection of you on that big old jumbotron there, just you know, like bawling out on the dock and just encouraging uh, Whitney a- along. But I mean, the impact uh, that 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 performance had in in, in Canada is still uh, still very very uh, prevalent today, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there's a video of Jason and I standing on the dock when yeah, that was Whitney the one. went around the corner and she got outside. It's a slow motion video. And uh, you see me grabbing him and hugging him. And the look on my face is like, when I watch it now, it gives me chills. You know, at the time, it, it was it was an un, it was an unclimbable mountain. And the only way I could get her in the zone like I hear all this talk about flow and whatever, but 
it's like, dude, the zone is like focusing on yourself. Like everybody chases that zone or that flow. And it's mm. like, it's so easy to get caught up in what everybody else is doing or what you think you're going to need to do. Mm -hmm. And I had to remove her from that environment of like mom, all the other people telling her she was going to be okay. It's like, no, she knows she's not going to be okay. So let's take her away, take her out of this environment. And, you know, that's how you get in the zone is to like focus on the stuff that you can control and the stuff that you can do. And dude, you're in your own little world, your own little bubble, because all you care about is what you're doing. And that's when you perform the best. Mm -hmm. and, and I actually was in that state, like when they say flow state or whatever, in the zone, I actually remember that's one of my moments in life. The world's in, in Canada in 2009 are one of my moments where I was there. It's like very rare to experience that, but I, I feel like I, can, I was watching it from behind me. Like I wasn't even the one doing it. It was so supernatural. And I mean, back in 2009, like Facebook was barely a thing. Twitter was barely a thing. TikTok was non-existent. All of these social media outlets. I mean, it's so, so hard these days to completely isolate yourself from, from a lot of the mess and a lot of the distractions that are around you. So, I mean, how much have you had to modify what, what each, each of you do going forwards in, in 2022? I mean, it's not a lot different. It's just Whitney, you know, um, I do a lot less in Whitney's career now. Most of what I do now is um, in the boat, in practice, and like helping her, okay, this is my goal. This is what I want to do. The competitive side of it now with Whitney, she's like so seasoned and knows how to take care, knows what she needs to warm up. Like this whole last season, I travel because I look after Zane so that she can focus on herself. And she's really good at that. Um, you know, the social media side of it, it's, you know, we, we, we're the type of people that we love to see other people succeed. Like we really genuinely love when somebody skis well and does well, you know, it's, it's a sport and in a sport, sometimes it goes your way and sometimes it doesn't. So it's important to be like happy for the people when they go well. So in social media, I love seeing posts of mm -hmm. people that win, even when it's not my kid or my daughter or somebody I coach, because it's like, Dude, I know the feeling of winning. I know what that person's feeling, and I genuinely feel happy for them. And I'll add to that, it, I'm really, really, really enjoying the TWBC, like, oh, after posts where it's like, oh, so-and-so did this, or this is the first time in history that this has happened. It's, it's super exciting because I think that those stats make... People want to follow our sport more. Oh, that's never been done before. This has never been done before. You know, it, it brings drama and it brings excitement to see like, oh my gosh, we just saw history yesterday. You know, at the last tournament when Will and Freddie were battling it out at 43 off for the, the title. Like, that's unbelievable. So that kind of thing. Um, I, I mean, I think it's cool too well, to and, see and, all the social and, media And I think you guys might be a little immune to it. But I don't think you understand the impact that TWBC has made oh, yeah. on our sport. Like, dude, you're giving me a front row seat to see how my athletes perform yeah. in tournaments. Like, I've changed fin setups. We've worked different ski designs. We've done a lot of different things in the last three years because... I could watch them every day from the boat. Now I can see exactly anxiety levels, adrenaline levels. I can see everything in a tournament. And don't you doubt, don't doubt that I haven't made adjustments accordingly because nobody, I promise you, nobody skis the same in practice as they do in a tournament. There's no way. You fly, you pay your money, stakes are on, everything's on the line. It's not the same deal. And it's so good 
Hopefully the other coaches are using it, but it's so good. <laughs> I go back not. and I watch <laughs> because it's, it's the impact you guys have made is unbelievable. All right, then. Thanks. Thank you very much for that. I do, do definitely appreciate uh, the, those compliments going forward just to, uh, just to give our uh, audience a little bit of an indication there. No money was exchanged in, 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 <laughs> yeah. in, for, the, for those views. No. We're but, huge Tony fans. Yeah. Well, anyway, so uh, you did briefly mention about, about your daughter's uh, com- competitive action. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want, I want to examine how that competitive dynamic works with your wife. Can yeah. I just say that Paige is usually done before I get to the lake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Paige, she, is, she hangs out with Zane for one set. <laughs> Paige is on the grind in the morning. Yeah. So she, you know, how my ski school runs in the morning is I have, you know, Paige... Robert, Joel, Taryn, and Whitney, they all ski first thing in the morning. Now, Whitney comes a little bit later, but um, how does the, I'll answer your question because it comes up. Even like this year, they were head-to-head at the, uh, at the tournament in California. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely, like everybody was texting me, who, who do you want to win? Who do you want to win? I'm like, dude, I win every day. Being able <laughs> to spend time with my wife and my daughter every day doing what we all love is a win. When they compete against each other, it's a win. Okay? So, it works great. I mean, Zane is there. Paige hangs out with Zane. Whitney hangs out with Zane when Paige is skiing. I mean, they flip-flop it back and forth. And it's, you know, like uh, Chelsea Mills did a, a podcast the other day, and she just talked about the dynamic at the ski school. With the kingpins that we have skiing there, it's like the competitive juice and the level of skiing is so high every day that it just brings everybody up. So it's never, it is a competition, but it's never like a personal competition. It's just like, oh, well, Joel did this today. Well, shoot, I better freaking raise my game today. You know, it's just like, that's just the way our ski school works. So There are days when you come down to the dock and Matt says, what are you going to do to impress me today? Or what do you say? No, I always say. Please tell me you guys. That have... almost sounds like something regal, doesn't it? Impress me. No, no, what do you say? No, I always say, please do something today to make me thankful that I chose to be a water ski coach <laughs> and not working at Home Depot. Okay, aka, think, do something to impress. <laughs> do me. something good that shows yeah. that I've been. All my hard work is paying off. Yeah, do something good. <laughs> Be excellent. And I'm Be great. Won- and I'm wondering why Home Depot. Is there anything? That- <laughs> oh, I love the smell of Home Depot. When you go into Home Depot, that smells just like, I love it in there. Wood, tools, you know. You into that kind of stuff, uh, Whitney? I tag along and just watch him buy whatever he wants to buy. <laughs> so no surprise if he comes back with like a circular saw and a, and a, and a new drill or he something wouldn't, like that. He wouldn't know how to use most I, I usually tools, borrow stuff from so. Jeff or ask Jeff or to Cole. do it. Or Cole, Cole yeah. has lots of tools at the ski school, and my dad always has everything in stock. Yep. That's his word, in stock. <laughs> All right, then. So let's turn a little bit to what you do so far as uh, R&D for, uh, for, for Radar, and I mean a little bit with Nautique as well, because, I mean, you're, 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 uh, you work uh, closely with the Nautique brand of Correct Craft and also for the Radar brand of skis as well. So uh, let's start off with, with, with Nautique, because, I mean, both of you have been involved with that company for almost as long as I've, as I've known each of you for. Yeah, so I started with Nautique back in 2004, I think right after my first Junior Worlds in 2003, they picked up my brother and me and were like, hey, these guys are going to be good, so we're going to take them on as a brother-sister duo, and they've been incredible to me my whole career. I've had a ski boat, uh, like the best ski boat in the world to train behind, so I've been super fortunate 
Um, then in what year did you start with Nazi? 2010. So yeah, right after the Worlds in 2009, I was like, um, I train here all the time, and he's like the best, the best mind in our sport. Um, and I definitely encourage Nautique to um, partner with Matt because he's. I tell people all the time he's the smartest man in our sport between ski design She's and with the biased. boat. No, but he <laughs> and coaching. I mean, he just he really is so good, and so he's been a huge blessing to Nautique as well. Well, I'm a geek for knowledge, so I always like to, you know, go as deep as I can and understand something. And really, for Nautique, I mean, their engineers are amazing. I mean, they've, you know, they, they, they spent a lot of time with Andy. Andy did, you know, um, a ton of stuff with, uh, with uh, boat design. And, um, and, you know, when Andy passed on, I was asked to join and help um, with, you know, help not in his place but just help like kind of understand one what do the skiers want and two is our product providing that and that's really all I do for Nautique is you know I I I get with the engineers and let them know what everybody's wanting what everybody's saying about the boat what things are good what things could be better that kind of thing and then I kind of let them do their thing Um, and then all we really do is go out test a boat you know ski behind it yeah, we need to bring this person to ski behind it. Whitney needs to try it. Robert, whoever, you know. And and uh, I, I don't. I'm not a boat expert by any means, but I am a water ski expert. So that's the information that I give to them in order for them to design the boat to be the best product it can be. And he is very humble because I mean, there's a when we have new boats at our lake all the time, and we're putting the hours on and making sure that they're perfect going all over the world to every event that has Nautique boats. So um, he he's like the first man that they trust their boats to make sure that they're perfect for all the events. So well, I prep them and get, you know, I, I see if there's any issues. I prep them and then we see which one feels the strongest, which one's the best for slalom. And then um, so I just go through the cluster of boats I get and, and uh, yeah, and set them up and make sure everything's working perfect. So when they come to the tournaments, you know, there's there's no no gremlins or surprises in them all right then so let's move a little bit from nautique to a company that you've been involved with almost since that company formed and got involved not almost yeah not almost radar <laughs> right from. just before just <laughs> yeah. before now so it's funny because i just i just did a call with trent um there's something coming soon i won't divulge what it is but there's something and so i, I had to walk okay can you can you give us some clues here i don't Come even on. know what it is i, no, I no would clues. love to but i probably shouldn't um i'll just keep my mouth shut but i did get to walk Ooh. through my journey with um the beginning of radar and our transition when we were all at ho and then ho got sold and then you know we had to sit out for 10 months and then we started radar so that's um way back and sort of my beginnings with I wasn't you, aware of that that you had to stay out of the R&D and all of that kind of stuff for nearly a year before you could form something else there right? was some non-compete clauses I was not involved in the non-compete but there was some non-compete clauses with Paul and Herb and and some things when we first switched over so Herb did purchase back his original well not his original but his second company called Joby and at that time hired Andy Mapple and so that's really when I got to roll up my sleeves with Andy um, and spent a lot of time with Andy in that first before he went back to O'Brien and then eventually started Mapple. So I, I did get to spend, um, in my opinion, uh, 
my my early years was with Herb O'Brien and Andy Mapple. So those are the influences that I was able to tap into to kind of learn not only things that they had done, but the process of how they bring the greatest skis to the market. So, um, you know, and what do I do now? I mean, Chris Rossi's the main ski designer that sits with our programmer. Um, and Rossi's the one who makes the decisions on the size of the bevel, the side cut of the ski and him and the programmer who the programmer's just as crucial as the guy who's the ski guy because the programmer has to take what the ski guy's doing and put it into a reality and understand all the compromises that happen in a three-dimensional design. It almost sounds like office deep. space. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, so again, what do I do? I mean, I'm boots on the ground. I'm the guy watching people trying to run 41 off and the girls trying to run 39 off and the girl trying to run 41 off here sitting beside me every day. So I can see, you know, I understand how the boats work. I understand how the zero off works. I understand what the boats let you do and don't let you do. I understand what they need at 41 off. And so I convey that message to Rossi and we say, hey, where are we short on this ski and where are we moving on the next ski? And then I kind of leave the, you know, oh, I might make a suggestion, oh, the tunnel needs to be this or the bevel needs to be this. Mm -hmm. I couldn't tell you what the numbers are. That's Rossi's job. But I'm kind of the one that says, hey, this is the overall general what we're missing. You know, hey, your Formula One car, it can't handle the corner at 175 miles an hour. We need a car to handle a corner at 175 miles an hour. Then Rossi, you know, takes it, does his deal and gives it back. And then we go from there. <laughs> and uh, what what's your take on that? Because, I mean, I mean, there, I mean, there are certain design philosophies. I mean, you could design a high performance ski that would allow you to run some of the earlier passes, you know, like yeah. medium passes. Yeah. Or you could design a ski that that's really, really effective from about 39, 41 off and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, when we get a ski that's really good at 32 off, we're like, uh-oh, <laughs> that's not right. We don't want it there. Um, yeah, if I if I go out and I'm feeling really good at the early passes, I know that, well, it's not for sure, but a lot of times it'll start feeling better as the sh rope gets shorter if it's exactly what we really want um, for the ski. And so that's what Matt is so good with because uh, we have had skis in the past um, that are amazing for you know, middle, middle rope, like 35, 38, I could run amazing 38s, you know, and then it's not necessarily as good for 39 and 41. And you don't really recognize that. I think in the moment when you're, when you're, um, just competing and then you switch skis and you're like, Oh, this feels really good. I'm going to stick on this one. Um, but then eventually you might need something different, you know, moving forward. If your technique just gets a little bit better, you just need a, a little bit more speed crossing the wakes or something like that. So I'm super thankful that Matt is like involved in every part of the companies that I work for too, because, um, I don't think a lot of people have that opportunity where, um, you literally can change, you can have the ski that you need for your technique. And, and Matt's essentially, um, in the trenches and helping to create that for me. So I'm super thankful for that. Um, but yeah, we, we both started with the company right away, um, yep. when it started and, um, really good to be part of the radar family because it really is a family 
Yeah, and so we, of course, you know Chris Sullivan ran course, yeah. radar for a long time. Good old Louisiana redneck fishing with a mullet off of a, a, a ski. If you've ever seen that picture, it's one of the greatest water ski pictures of all time. I think I might have seen <laughs> yeah, that, but I have. think Texas claims him more than Louisiana. No, I know, but he, he, he cut his teeth in Louisiana, and then uh, now we have Brooks Wilson. And so Brooks is like, Brooks is unbelievable. Brooks is really like, forward thinker, you know, hey, what do we need? You, you tell me what we need and we're going to get whatever we need, whatever you guys need to get the products you want. And, and that kind of support from a manufacturer um, is unbelievable because, yeah, there's um, one thing that I've learned recently. And when I say recently, like in the last five years is there's feel versus real. And as our team grows and as, like our, team, as our team has a lot of input, from lots of people around the globe when we're testing skis, there's a lot of people that feel certain things. Mm. But for me, all I do is I look at a shape and I see what did our what did our top guys do on this shape? Did we did we get better on this shape or did we get worse? Because as a coach, I'm a hundred percent, hundred percent that if you have the best ski in the world on your feet, there's you don't need to learn how to ski on it. There's not like, oh, but if I just do this, it could be better. No. It's like I always assume when something's not easy for somebody that it's the product that's on their feet. That's just my assumption when I'm dealing with the top 1% of the sport. You know what I'm saying? I'm not talking about everybody. I'm talking about (laughs) the top, top. The girls that are running 39, the guys that are almost running 41, it's feel versus real. So when it's real, the scores go up, the consistency goes up, the tournament wins go up, the prize money goes up, everything goes up. When it's, oh, this feels really awesome, but then the scores are down, to me it doesn't matter how it feels because since watching from TWBC, there's like what you guys think you might want on your feet and what you need on your feet. And what you need on your feet doesn't always feel amazing in a really strong headwind at 35 off, you know? So, I mean, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of where I've evolved with this. It's like feel versus real. I've ridden so many skis that feel amazing and dude, I can run beautiful 35 offs on them, but it's like at 41 off, it's not about like, Oh, I want it to feel really good. It's like, I needed to do X, Y, and yeah. Z and I'll get there. Don't worry about what it feels like earlier. Yeah. And there was, there has been moments in our skiing where he's like, if you do this on this ski, does it let you, you know, does it let you do that? And that was a, a time period in design. And I was like, well, I've never really thought about exactly what I want my ski to do because I, I just, you know, you feel whatever's under your feet and you adapt. We adapt so quickly. You try a new ski and you adapt within six passes usually um, to where you can, you know, run something on it or pretty darn close to what you run on it. So, um that was interesting when he started saying that to me and he's like, well, what do you want it to do? What can't, what, so that, then it gives him information, um, to what our next ski shape might be. That almost sounds like the title for an upcoming autobiography. So are we going to be expecting that on the bookshelves there? Uh, <laughs> Feel versus real. Yeah. That's <laughs> not a writer. No. <laughs> I'm good at podcasts, but article, you know, <laughs> he writes an article once in a while for water ski nation and he sends it to me. Hey hon, can you, <laughs> Yeah, I always tell Greg it's with my chief editor. She'll be she'll get back to us yeah. as soon as she wakes up. Because he voice texts it, and then I have to put all the periods and the question marks and everything into hey, it. Hey, come on! I want people <laughs> to think I'm smart when they read those articles. <laughs> 
Well, one of the greatest water ski bo- uh, books of all time was the uh, Complete Guide to Water Skiing with uh, with Joel McClintock. Joel McClintock. Yes, indeed. Yes. And uh, I wish I still had my copy because because uh, if I if I'd ever clapped tires on Joel McClintock in my travels, I would have asked him to autograph it. But uh, but I mean, you when, need to have wh- him on your podcast. Well, yeah, I'd I'd love to. I'd love to. Uh, I'll make it happen. Yeah, make it happen. I'll make it happen. Absolutely. So, uh, I mean, I mean, taking that into consideration, both of you have, have read that book, no doubt, cover to cover. I mean, is there anything? Uh, and I mean, that was published in about the early eighties. I would say about seventy nine, eighty type deal. Is there still any any portion of that book, as far as you can remember, that is as relevant today as it was back then? I think probably a lot of um, trick. There's tricks in that book too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, think absolutely. that there's lots of, I mean, we're, Ingl- we're still skiing old school, right? Like we still have the old school yeah, I mean, body I think, technique. I think if, if you look at like back in the day, what people were trying to do behind the boat, I, I don't think ultimately it's very different. Mm-hmm. The products are really different and yeah. the boats are very different and people are a lot, um, you know, more in tune with that kind of thing because now we have a computer that drives the boat. So it's not like you're waiting for mom or dad's time at the end of the lake. Mm -hmm. I mean, the pool's exactly the same no matter where you go. So, I mean, I think everybody's been able to refine that quite a bit. But if there's one resounding thing or, okay, let me just say this. If there's two resounding things that are really, I mean, from that book or that generation one is the posture that you stand on a slalom ski and two is the posture that you stand on a trick ski, which yeah. today is not quite as prevalent when you mm. see oh, trickers standing because now we got these hard boots that prop you up and you got like this great big toe hold and a great big heel strap. Like when we learned how to yeah. do toe tricks, you weren't getting slack because the foot thing would slide off. The toe hold would slide off. We didn't have a heel strap. So I think those two things like kind of stand the test of time. You know, I, I really do. That's actually really interesting that he said that because I was just talking to my ballerina cousin the other day, okay? And she says to me, this is Natalie, she says, you know, I was watching a couple people ski today and their arms are just all over the place. That cannot be good for their balance. She's like, she's a ballerina from a totally different world, but she water skis a little bit and she's been tricking. So she's finding her center. But um, the fact that she noticed the arms, I was like, well funny you say that because that's one of matt's big things that he talks about when you're trick, you, when you're doing toe tricks yeah you know ben turp the english of course kid you do, yeah. yeah okay so ben skied with me a couple years ago and like the first toe set he did i'm like boy what are you doing with your arms you're flopping them all over the place so i just kept telling him where to put his hands where to put his arms and at the end of it he goes Man, toe tricks is way more about your hands than it is about your toes, <laughs> your toes. isn't it? <laughs> I laughed so hard when he said that. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, my recollections from that book uh, uh, were three things: uh, the the toe hold sequence, the uh, the toe three sixty wrapping from Craig Llewellyn, uh, God rest his soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the picture right at the end of the book with Ricky McCormick doing a backflip on a Cypress Gardens trick ski. Yeah, <laughs> and the advice from Joel like never jump at six foot. <laughs> never do it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the skis, Joel, and bindings he used to jump? <laughs> yeah, that, that was that was probably a good reason why. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so I um, so I mean, going on from that and going on to present day uh, jumping, obviously, mm-hmm. you you two you two uh, are training and coaching the world overall men's champion uh, Joel Poland and the current world jump champ, uh, not not the world jump champion, but certainly on the podium, mm-hmm. current masters jump champion. 
And I mean, when when did he first come to uh, come come to your ski school? And what what what, <laughs> oh, what, what was your, your first impression? <laughs> so so what happened was uh, Mike Ferraro was working with the British Federation, and him and Stevie Glanfield, who still runs a ski school in Oxford. Oxford. Yeah. So they got together and they did a flip camp in Florida with all these junior British kids. They brought them to Ryan Jones, who's a trampoline guy, taught him how to do flips on the trampoline, took him out to OWC behind a wakeboard boat and taught him how to do a flip. While they were there, Rob Pohl and his dad called me and said, I want to come and ski with you. So I said, okay. I didn't know he had a kid. I didn't know anything. So Rob was there for the week, came and skied two sets with me every day. And Rob and I hit it off. Like we were instant good friends. Like we just had this, um, this magic between us and like, so he, while he was there, I said, oh, what are you doing here? Oh, my kid's here. Who's your kid? His name's Joel. Okay. Hmm. He said, I, I want to bring him to you. And I think Joel was 10 or 11. Like, he was young. So I said, sure, no problem. I said, does he do everything or does he just trick? No, no, he does all three events. Okay. So Rob and I, Rob said, I'm going to work it out and send him to you. So he, he came with them. So this would have been in the fall. He came with them like in February at their half term or whatever. So this is like a few months later. Rob pull, I knew Rob was there. It's February. It's not that busy. He mm. pulls up. Rob gets out. I see this fat little kid get out of the car. Like he's chubby. <laughs> Seriously chubby. He walks up and introduces himself to me. And I said, hey, nice to meet you. And in my mind, I'm thinking, what am I going to do with this kid? <laughs> right? So I'm like, oh, man. Aww. Okay. Oh, he's cute. I love him. Anyway, and he loves when I tell this story, too. So I said, do you want to slow him? Yeah, slow him. So I go. He slows and his first pass, like, he's got the most perfect lean behind the boat. Body position's perfect, leaning strong behind the boat. The kid just looks, like, crazy good behind the boat. I mean, he was a little clumsy in the turns because they'd been skiing in, in England. And so I asked, who's he ski with? Oh, John Battleday. Okay. Okay. Well, that, that makes sense. That's why the kid looks good behind the boat. Anyway, so yeah, he skied and like impressed me. I'm like, wow, this kid's a really good slalom skier. Like I can't even remember what he ran or didn't run, but he, uh, he really impressed me. And then of course he got his trick ski out and other foot forward. Yeah. For it took me trick. two sets to notice it by the way, because oh, if did. you ever watch in the mirror, everything's backwards in a mirror oh, anyway. Yeah. So yeah. it took me a little bit and then I was standing up demonstrating something to him and I'm like, he goes, no, I turn the other way. I'm like, what do you mean you turn the other way? And he goes, I, I'm doing my toe or something the other way. And I'm like, I knew he was left foot forward. I just watched him slalom, you know? And then I'm like, oh, you're right foot forward? And I look at his dad and his dad just shakes his head like, don't ask me. I don't know what's wrong with this kid. Anyway, so. It explained a lot about toe tricks. He really man, teaching that toe kid toe tricks was like literally one of the, it's like pushing a giant boulder up a hill. And if you take your hands off that boulder for one second, it's going right to the bottom again. And I'm like, the hell am I going to do with this kid? Anyway. So, but that week, I think he learned four flips maybe or five flips in, in one week. It was just like, and of course, you know, with Joel, I mean, everybody knows him now, but he's always been that charismatic charming kid and him and I just were like you know gas and a spark like we were just I give him crap he responds like John really programmed that kid <laughs> well to wow. take abuse let me tell you because I still give him abuse all the time but um you know just joking of course um yeah but so no it was just like and and Rob then once he came that one time Rob flew him out six times that year so I went to the airport, unaccompanied minor, picked him up. He stayed with me, skied for a couple of weeks, go home. And so he came six times that first year I met him. And I mean, he kind of set the world on fire after that. I mean, it was at every level. 
Now, I mean, it was it was pretty chunky then, so I'm sure someone said to him, you know, if you want to try and get to a certain spot, you, you're going you, you, to you're going to have to you're going to have to take take that weight off, or at least or at least be a little bit leaner. I mean, what's your take? I think puberty one? probably happened and yeah. they took care of everything. Because... Yeah, I mean, he just grew. And like, yeah. if anybody wants any pictures of uh, chunky <laughs> chunky Joel, you can reach out to Freddie Winter. <laughs> He puts them on his story every <laughs> once in a while, but he will gladly send you pictures of Chunky Joel. But nah, I mean, it's it's very common for kids when yeah, young before boys puberty, yeah. to be and chunky. then now he's just like he's been ripped for a lot of years. It's just like go through puberty and. Mm-hmm. You know, he grew and every, the midline shrunk and he got muscly and now he's like probably the most athletic human, you know, barring, <laughs> barring maybe Aaron Rathy back in the day. But he's just his athleticism. I mean, he just posted a video today about him on one of those foils and like he's never been on a foil before today. I, I guarantee think he's it. Been on it a couple of times. I don't know, but I don't know. I mean, it's just like you know, floating, floating, floating. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be a foil expert by the time he gets back from New Zealand. All right, then. So, so anything to add to all of that? Because I mean, uh, I mean, we're talking. How long ago were we talking when you first, when you first met up? It would have been it? eleven years, ten, eleven years ago. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Ten, eleven years ago. Yeah. So, I mean, like. Like basically, right, right after you'd you'd won. Oh yeah, because we had just come. He we had just gone to the new lake, so it was right around two thousand ten ish. Yeah, so I've gotten to ago. watch the whole the whole process, and he's very accurate in everything that he said. I mean, as far as him um, coming to the ski school, and I mean, I always loved little Joel. Like whenever he was there, everyone just loves Joel anytime. Um, any parents that come to the ski school fall in love with Joel. My grandma is in love with Joel. She's just like, oh, he's just the nicest boy. She can't remember his name, doesn't know what he does half the time, but I mean, um, she's just like, that was a nice, really nice boy. I, I like him. Like, he can come over for dinner anytime, so, but he's just a sweet, sweet kid, and um, I mean, my son loves him, and he's like our Wait, how many kids would that be? Fifth kid. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'll, I'll give everybody a little secret to his success, and it's probably not what everybody thinks it is. But I can promise you, and this is no word of a lie, in all the years that he's come to ski with me, and I've seen him, he's never one time, not one time, come to the lake in a bad mood. I've never seen him grumpy after he skis, whether it's good or bad. It's like... He is the ultimate person in, like, you know, everything just ebbs and flows. Some days I'm going to slow him like a king, and some days I'm not going to slow him like a king. Some days I'm going to jump really far, and some days I'm going to feel really bad. And, like, Mm -hmm. he never lets any minor little setback ever change his attitude, his outlook, or his climb to the top. It's, like, insignificant. It's as insignificant as it is if he skis well. And that is that kid's secret sauce is just he's in a good mood all the time. And it's because he chooses to be. It's not because he's Joel and life is easy for Joel. Joel works his butt off. He does. And Joel has a lot of disappointments too, believe it or not. I mean, they're not all in tournaments because he skis pretty good in tournaments. But, you know, just training and trying to get to that next level. And always trying to be a better person. I think he truly does want to be a better person all the time. And he is. I mean, he's, he's an amazing person on top of being the best skier of our sport too all right then let's talk about the two of you together uh i mean you you two have been married for uh, how long now it'll be five years on sunday 
Five years on Sunday. Five yes, years I, on I knew Sunday. this was a good time yeah. to, uh, to to do this podcast, and that's why I'm skip- we're, we're skipping the banquet because we want to go home for our anniversary. So we <laughs> land on the fourth on our anniversary, and we're going for dinner at the boathouse, like we always do. It's our tradition. We've gone every year. We closed it down the night we got married, having way too much fun with all of our wedding guests, and we've gone there every ever since every year for our anniversary. All right then. So, uh, so kind of, kind of describe that whole deal. I mean, how, how, how you decided between the two of you, uh, you being, you being the coach, you being, you, you being the high level pro skier that you thought one day, you know, maybe this relationship, you know, can be upgraded instead of being coach and skier <laughs> to husband and wife type deal. I mean, uh, give, give it, give us a well, kind of I'll, I'll details on that. Um, ironically, I moved to Orlando. Um, back in 2006 to um, go to UCF because I wanted to ski with Matt Moore. And um, to me, to me, that's ironic because obviously he was not my husband at the time and it wasn't my boyfriend at the time. But um, I find it interesting that I moved for him. Like I moved to Claremont to to be with Matt um, just to ski with him. Um, But then uh, skiing together all the time and being at such a high level, I was naturally attracted to him as my coach, always. Um, uh-oh, Zany's waking up. Um, but uh, I, I feel like that was interesting that I moved to Orlando um, to be closer to Matt, to ski with him. Okay, and uh, whilst Whitney uh, sprints off to uh, to check on uh, Zane, uh, uh, what 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 was your take on that one? Because I mean that 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 must have been a. Uh, you know, an an, intre- an interesting dynamic to kind of take on board a little bit, a little change of circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. And like life always, um, it never goes the way you think it's going to go. I mean, I think everybody can relate to that. Um, looking back now, um, one of the big things that um, that Whitney has taught me and helped me to be a better person is just my relationship with God and meeting our pastor, who's my life coach. I call him my life coach. I don't really treat him like a pastor. I treat him more like a really good friend. And she brought me to the church. She knew Wes, our pastor, before. And, you know, all I can say is that, you know, I think that God has a huge plan for all of us. And I think that it's been... um, now we have Zane and, and watching the relationship with my children, with Zane and the impact that he's had on everybody's lives. And, um, you know, being, we, we do these, um, marriage Bible studies sometimes. And like, we're really unusual in that we spend all day together. You know, like I go to the lake in the morning for a couple hours. We're at the lake together. We're at the lake with Zane. We come home. You know, and I spend we just spend a lot of time together. And so we've we've really learned um, how to appreciate each other, how to bring out the best in each other. Because not many married couples actually have have that have that kind of dynamic. I mean, normally it's like the husband that goes to work somewhere in town right. and the other per- and the other person, if he, he or she does work, it's uh, it's normally somewhere else, you know, or yeah, either at home. Absolutely. Know? And so, um, you know, like we don't really fight i mean we don't really argue unless she really backseat drives a lot then i might snip at her or bark at her because it's just weird that i can get to the lake every day without having her in the car but then the days that i take her i really need her or else we're all gonna die type of deal you know what i'm saying (laughs) i'm just kidding anyway so no and i just think that um 
you know, I think um, that I, I'm just super appreciative of what she brings to my outlook on things and, um, you know, a piece of accountability to keep pushing myself in the sport. And, um, you know, it's just, it's been a really, really enjoyable five years <laughs> together, you know, really enjoyable. Indeed, indeed. And I mean, uh, I mean, obviously, both of you have thought about uh, what what could potentially happen in the future. I mean, you've got you, you've got one kid, uh, Zane. Are you don't go there. Don't go there. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, there was always a plan for number two. But at this point, um, this kid is like the light of our world. And he's so wonderful. And he fills up my days um, in all the good best ways possible i don't know that right now number two is a necessity to complete our lives so um that's just where we're at and we may discuss it again next year and see but for right now and plus mama still has some pretty lofty goals in the sport and like we we kind of talked that you know like it was what um 9 12 16 about 16 months really of like when oh. you get pregnant to when you can really ski again well and then it, i backed that up with a concussion so that was another whole injury situation right. like i was really getting close to where yeah i was skiing amazing and then i got my concussion and then that it's just a setback this year has been just as again. hard coming back as it was last year coming back from having the baby so yeah again um, like life never really kind of goes the way that you write it out yeah, in your plan you know you know i was hoping to go all the way through this podcast without even touching upon that whole concussion, concussion. deal because because i mean even earlier on this season where you skied at the uh, the travis grand prix i mean you oh. i think you even made a point to say i'm over the hump you know i uh, the beast has been exercised a well, little bit. Well, I mean, I, I knew that um, skiing at Jack's was going to be a, a huge hurdle for me um, this year. And so I avoided it. Um, I skied in other, lots of other tournaments. I skied really well at other tournaments. Um, but Jack's was one that I wasn't sure. I, I have flashbacks regularly from my crash. And so... Um, Oh, and by the way, everybody should know that Jax is her favorite lake to ski on. It is. It's definitely been one of my favorite lakes. I, my so. personal best is there. So now moving forward, now I feel like Jax Grand Prix was a huge moment where, okay, I ran my 39 and really going into it, obviously I could have been on the podium. I should have been on the podium with how we skied that weekend. But um, realistically, I... I accomplished what I wanted to going into that weekend, which was running 39 again. I even ran two at 41, which was I got past that one ball, you know. So moving forward next year, um, I want to ski at Jack's as much as I can um, leading up to the Worlds. Okay, so obviously the goal is the Worlds. Any, any, yeah. any, any Anything else? Uh, maybe maybe the, uh, the, the season-long uh, Pro Tour title or possibly? possibly? Yeah, I mean, I think that ultimately we're, we're putting our sights on – my end goals for my career, which is running 41 off. And, um, in doing that, I think a lot of success will follow it next season, but I think we're just going to turn our direction inward again and just really focus and put the hammer down because I mean, time's running out for me. If, if I, if I want to have another child, if whatever, but, um, it's just something that has literally been on my agenda for my whole career. And it's something that I know is within grasp. It's possible. Um, and it's, um, just a matter of getting it done and then enjoying my skiing after that, whether I decide to continue to be professional or not. Well, and too, Tony, the thing is we, we didn't go to Europe this year cause we had a couple weddings to go to. Um, 
Whitney's uh, cousin who was the maid of honor in our wedding got married, Jamie. So it was really fun to go there. And then John Lex Kennerly, mm-hmm. who you know, yes. a skier, uh, got married this year. And I didn't want to miss his wedding. So, But next summer, we will be going to... Um, not all, but we're definitely going to go to Botas and definitely going to go to San Gervasio next year. Oh, you'll love that. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, yeah, I've never been. I've never been to San Gervasio. Yeah. Oh, you'll, you'll love it just yeah. for the cheese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 oh, good. Zane might like it too. Yeah, Zane likes cheese. So, mm. but no. So you know, obviously, if you're not going to all the tournaments, it's hard to win for the season. Yeah, right? that's I what mean, was a big wake up call this year, actually, yeah. because. Regina and I, I mean, we didn't do too poorly over here, but um, there was no way of catching Jamie when she got home from Europe. So, Yeah, I can, I can just imagine Zane's eyes you know, going wide open when he sees a great big plate full of mozzarella. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's going to absolutely love it. And pizza. He loves pizza. Oh, absolutely. So uh, we'll, we'll try and round off uh, the podcast a little bit, but I've got one, but I've got one more question. Obviously, obviously the, the, the answers that... To, to my questions have been highly agreeable uh, mostly but has there ever been something that uh, that you seriously remember that you two totally had disagreements about I mean you know it's no secret that Whitney was extremely feisty in her younger years um, you know and so we, we used to fight quite a bit about water skiing and training and everything and like you know, like I, I said, she brought a lot of really good things t- to me. And I, you know, with, you know, when you ski at a lake with Joel Poland and Paige Reaney, who's like exactly the same as Joel as far as her attitude every day, showing up, being happy, good days, bad days, the girl's always got a smile on her face. Like, I think that impacted, you know, if I'm honest, the only thing we ever argue about ever since I've known you is about water skiing and in the last like five six years we don't and driving that really well she yeah I mean <laughs> but I mean that's we just argue a wife about thing. driving probably more than anything she's to just, be honest. it's just a wife thing I think but about. he what what he's saying is when I came along I was McClintock through and through and that means you get mad after you ski bad and you sometimes occasionally might throw your stuff and you are like competitive beyond belief if you don't win um it's definitely not a good day (laughs) um and it's everybody else's fault like that to me was my attitude and I'm not saying that it was a bad attitude because um the McClintocks won a lot you know like when I was younger I won more than I do now but (laughs) um but being part of the Reaney family now I'm super blessed to um learned that manners are super important and that saying please and thank you and being appreciative and gratitude and all of that is super important and Matt has taught me that pretty much single-handedly and it got displayed to me uh sharing has been displayed to me best by his children and now this little one um but there are things that I'm I don't know what do we fight about we we don't really fight to be honest we We really don't fight in the car is the only time we fight when I tell him he sucks at driving and um (laughs) But He's doing something wrong. To my or when defense, I'm on the phone with our insurance company and I'm like, babe. <laughs> to my defense, I do spend, I have spent most of my life in a moving vehicle where I'm not looking where I'm going the whole time I'm always looking behind me. <laughs> so <laughs> sometimes I jump in my car, I will admit, and I end up driving like the boat where I've got a hundred things going on, including my cell phone. I know I'm horrible, but. Anyway, we don't really fight. I mean, 
you know, we kind of have pretty common goals in life, really common goals with our kid, really common goals with our business, really common goals with her future in skiing and real estate. And I support her. I and mean, I support him, too. Yeah, we're I mean, encouragers. It's like we're, we're team each other, I guess. Yeah. It's boring. I'm sorry. Sorry, but there's it's no just drama the way, in this household. <laughs> it's just the way it is. <laughs> when Matt and I raise our voice at all, just in discussion, Zane starts telling us, no, whoa, 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 no, whoa. no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not even fighting. I don't, no. We don't even think of, I don't know. No. No. And just a quick reminder that this isn't, this isn't couples therapy or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> no. Nope. We have a really good therapist, Wes Beecham. <laughs> yeah. He's our pastor. <laughs> All right, then. So uh, we'll round off uh, the podcast there. Anything you'd like to say in the parting uh, to, to your fans? Start with you, Whitney. Um. Just thanks to my family and my sponsors um, for always being there for, for me and watching me and tuning in. And uh, TWBC has made that easier for all my people to watch me. So thank you, Tony. All right, then. What about you? I mean, I just thank my sponsors, obviously, Nautique and Radar and, um, you know, my family. And, and you know, I, I'm totally blessed to be surrounded with um, amazing people. You know, my, my own kids and, and other people's kids and the people that I train. And so, you know, I'm very thankful that everybody trusts me with, you know, their most prized thing, which is their water skiing. So I, I'm appreciative of that. All right. And that was the latest uh, edition of the TWBC podcast uh, with, uh, with Matt Reaney and Whitney McClintock Reaney. Uh, another podcast uh, episode will be uh, released soon. But until that time, this is Tony Lightfoot saying ciao for now thank you for listening to the twbc podcast be sure to check out our website at waterskibroadcasting.com links to our presence on major social media platforms can be found there as well as updates to our webcast and this podcast duplication or rebroadcasting of this broadcast without written consent of twbc is prohibited Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to join us next time for the next edition of the TWBC Podcast.